Welcome to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, a foster and adoptive and bio mama and a therapist in private practice. I'm here to help foster mamas feel seen, heard, and supported on their journey. From quick, actionable steps to make your foster care journey easier to interviews with foster and adoptive mamas, the Fearless Fostering Podcast delivers education and encouragement weekly. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burse, LCSW, and I'm so excited today to be talking to Melinda Mello. She is a foster and bio mama, and she hails from the great country of Canada. <laughs> so thank you for being here. <laughs> thank you for having me. Yes. So I want to chat with you just a little bit about your decision to start fostering. What was What did that look like for you? Okay. Well, that goes back all the way to my childhood. My mother had um, nine children and struggled a lot with mental health. And we were living in the projects of Toronto on the streets, the motels, shelter to shelter. And three times she walked me into the CAS building and said, don't follow me out of here. So I was a foster child and having been through that experience as a child really gave me the desire to give back and help children who were in my situation. I am close with my mom now. And even though I was separated from all of my siblings, we all know each other now. And like I was telling you earlier, my mom is actually with me this weekend. So um, it's really come full circle. And I have learned so much about uh, unconditional love and forgiveness and grace. And it's really a beautiful story. That is a beautiful story. Gosh, thank you so much for sharing that. What, at what point growing up through that experience, were you like, yeah, I definitely want to make sure that I do something to help kids like me someday? Yeah, I think in high school, I was seeing a counselor and I thought, I really want to do this. I really want to do this for kids. I thought I would be a counselor or I thought I would maybe be a child psychologist. And because I didn't understand mental illness, I went to college and I got my developmental service worker so I could study the brain and how mental illness worked. And then I even told my husband, like when we were dating, you know, this is going to be a part of our future. Like I want you to make sure that you're on board with that. And he was, and he's so supportive. And so, yeah, in June of 2018, we were approved to become foster parents. And in August, we had our first placement. And that was just a relief situation that was for 10 days. And they were just trying to, you know, start me off easy. (laughs) (laughs) I know the pain and the trauma that I have been through as a child. I have experienced that. But having other kids in your home and seeing them experience it um, or have experienced it and seeing the outcome of what they've been through, you know, that was really hard. It was triggering. And I had to check myself as well. You know, like I saw myself in these children and that makes me a really, really great foster parent. That also makes me super vulnerable in that position. So, yeah, I think that it's really important to just be open and honest about how you're feeling and what you're going through. I think it's important to have such a great community around you. And I have that. And I'm super blessed to have that in my life. That's amazing. Wow. Thank you so much. Wow. That's just 
a gift that you are giving to so many of us for using your voice as a former foster youth and also now as a foster mom that it's like this beautiful full circle thing like you said even with your own mother just to have the redemption and that story is just really a blessing so thank you so much for sharing that was there ever a point in time before you started fostering maybe through the process of getting licensed that you were like having doubts at all, knowing your own backstory and being like, gosh, is this going to trigger me or is this going to be a problem? Yeah. I think that having been through what I went through, I had a lot of doubt in myself. You know, I had to silence those fears. I had to silence that inner voice that told me as a kid, you know, that you're unworthy. You are unlovable. You won't be accepted. Rejection is your middle name you're not going to do a great enough job. And when I was able to silence those fears and those lying voices, I realized that I had so much love to give. And my children and my husband are so accepting. We have so much love to give. And wouldn't it be a waste if we didn't give back to these children? Yeah. That's amazing. And were your bio kids like always on board from the get-go or were they nervous at all about having a foster child or anyone else come into the home? Yeah, they definitely were because, you know, we had um, two babies come to us that were addicted. And when you have babies, there's no competition. There's no, it's just love and, you know, excitement and there's lots of snuggles and it's a really beautiful thing. And then we had kids who had come to our house that were so traumatized and they had never been held. They had never been loved. They were smacking their face off of the cribs till their mouths were bleeding smashing their heads off of the floors, the back of their heads off of the walls. They couldn't speak. Like they were literally found abandoned. Mm -hmm. And when they came to our home, I was scraping poo off of the bottom of their shoes because they had been literally locked in a room with a plastic sheet on the floor Mm -hmm. and just covered in their own filth. And they came to us and they were biting my kids. They were scratching my kids. They were, you know, it was, they were so traumatized. So that was an experience and a half for, you know, me and my husband and, and our children. And super traumatic for me as well. And I think the thing that I learned from that is that this stuff, this trauma, this abuse, this neglect to this extent is happening in your own neighborhood. It is happening in your city. It is happening in your town. And we don't even know, you know, it's insane to think about. And wouldn't it be a waste for me to have this home to have this extra space, to have all of this love and not give children a chance to be held for the first time, to be spoken to, to be taught eye contact. And I really, at that time, had to have an army of community help me, you know, with my small group coming and delivering meals to my house. And while this little girl laid on my floor, it looked like her hair had been pulled and just chopped at the roots. Mm not speaking, not communicating. She would just lay on the floor and play with her fingers. And my friend would come over and lay on my floor with her and wouldn't say a word and would just touch her fingers, just play with her, you know? And for that little boy to just be held and loved. And then the very first time when she walked up to me, and even though it was backwards, she walked into my body and I hugged her and it was, I could cry. It was the most, it was, 
was the most beautiful moment when you connect with that child and they feel your love. Yeah. I'm crying. <laughs> oh, it's, it is. It's so you're beautiful. so right. It's just that I think, you know, and I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, it's so easy to just do our own thing and to just not have our attention turned to the actual reality, which is, as you said, this is happening everywhere. It's happening in our backyards. It's happening in our towns. There's no town in America, Canada, around the world where this isn't happening. We don't have to hear about it unless we choose to enter into this or unless we've experienced it. But what happens when we do choose to is what you're saying is just these kids have a chance to come out of that trauma, traumatized state and work through what they've been through and have a chance at a life that is beautiful. Yeah. And I think that once you see it, you can't unsee it. It changes your heart. You grieve differently. You celebrate differently. You see the world differently. You can't unsee it after you have experienced it. Like there's, there's no way that I, that I could go back now. (laughs) That's exactly it. And there's such a need for just loving, safe homes for these kids. And people do talk about, you know, the risk to their own family or to their own biological children or whatever. How did you deal with that knowing that, yeah, your biological kids were getting influenced, you know, maybe negatively by some of these trauma behaviors and trauma responses from some of these really kids who've had such a tough life? Yeah, I think that it was really important during that time for us to spend quality time with our own children out of the home and separated because so much attention went to the children in our home. And I'll never forget it, actually. I was rocking my daughter in the rocking chair. And she said, Mommy, you don't play with me anymore. And it broke my heart. It broke me into a million pieces. And I remember talking to my husband, Mike, and just saying, we have had these blinders on when you were in your home. And you're like, this is what we need to take care of. And it's all you see. And it's all you think about. And how can we help? And what can we do to make this better? When our children are sitting there saying, hey, you don't play with me anymore. So yeah, I think that going on dates with your children, you know, they would get dressed up into their fanciest dresses and I would curl their hair and, and we would take them out for ice cream or for a walk and just spend that quality time with them. I think that was really important during that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. That's been important for our family too, with our big boys, like, especially, you know, when a baby comes in, even just the attention being off of them. Cause like you said, you're like, I'm just doing what I have to do to make sure that everyone has what they need. And if there's a kid in the house that has special needs or extra needs, you know, they're going to get the extra attention. So, but what a beautiful thing that your daughter felt she could so safely say to you, mom, this, I don't feel like you play with me and this is what I need right now. And for you, obviously, you know, to be able to say, yeah, let's go ahead and, and have some special time together. I think that is just such a, like a salve for the wounds of like these kids. It really does go such a long way to be able to say, I still see you. I love you. I want to spend time with you. That's special just with you. And it just mm-hmm. helps them feel so seen. And I think that's really the the antidote for, <laughs> for kids. You know, people are like, what's it going to do to my kids? I'm like, just still be intentional with your kids and you'll, they'll be fine. Yes. That's so good. So this has just been such a beautiful conversation. I've loved it. 
Hi friends. I just wanted to pop on and let you know that there is something I am so excited about. It's called fearless fostering a deeply connected six month group coaching program for foster mamas. And it is launching in June. This brand new program for foster mamas includes a luxury retreat, a curated community of foster mom friends and ongoing coaching with me. Applications are open June 21st and will be reviewed on a first come first serve basis. So join the waitlist today at fearlessfostering.com and you'll be the first to be notified when applications open. What advice would you give or what encouragement would you have for either a prospective foster mom or one who is struggling right now through her foster care journey? Yeah, I would say um, to keep going. I would say to have faith in the journey and to always be empathetic, to put yourself into the shoes of these scared children. It is, it is better for you to give of yourself than to have these children go without. Yeah, I would just I would just say like, reach out, make sure that you have a good community that supports you in your journey. Um, make sure people that, you know, you have people that you can call, that you can count on, that you can text, that you can call and say, Hey, this is what I really need because this is not a journey that you can do alone. This is a journey where, where you need those people in your life. Absolutely. That's such a good point. Yes. And just as we kind of wrap up a little bit, what is one thing that you learned from being in foster care that you took with you into being a foster mother now? I would say experience. I am able to empathize with these children. I am able to put myself into their shoes because I have walked that life. I know what it's like to be neglected. I know what it's like to be abused. I know what it's like to have somebody look at you and tell you that you will never amount to anything. And I have been there, starving, living in the slums, having been walked into a building and saying, don't follow me out of here. And those feelings of not being wanted and that you never belong. I just understand those feelings. And for a child, it is, it is heartbreaking. And those are such big feelings for a kid to have. And it is so much for them to work through, especially as they grow older, as they're trying to figure out their identity and who they are. But I know for me personally, whether you're faith-based or not, I know that I am a child of God Mm -hmm. and I know that he loves me and I know that he will always be my father, more of a father than, you know, I never had one. Yeah. He will always be my father and he will always walk by me and that I am adopted into his family. And I know that I belong there. So find those people in your life that will make you feel like you belong and like you are loved and that you were always meant to be where you were. I love that. Thank you so much. That is just such a gift and so true. I mean, gosh, what a redemption story we have in him. And then just, I think you're right. Like the foster care adoption or foster care reunification, whatever happens is just that redemption story as well. So that's just beautiful. Oh, I want people to be able to follow you and follow your story. I know you're writing a book right now, which is so amazing. How can people find you online and connect with you there? Okay. So right now I am just at writer Melinda Mello on Instagram. And yeah, I finally feel brave enough to put my story out there and to speak honestly about it. So I am just starting out over there on Instagram. Like you said, I am writing a book. Um, It's going to be called The Little Girl Within, Connecting to the Heart of Your Inner Child. So I'm really excited about that. I'm just kind of finishing up that work. Our foster son, who we have had since birth, 
um, we are working on his adoption right now, and that should be finalized as well soon. So we have lots to lots to talk about. Yes, I hope we can talk again. I absolutely want to talk again. Yes, thank you so much for just your time and your vulnerability. It is such a gift. It's such a blessing, and I'm just really thankful that our paths crossed. And appreciate you sharing. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was great talking to you. <laughs>